Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Welcome to Digital Voices. As I've mentioned before, every once in a while, I get to have a guest that's not only super interesting, but like really important to me and, and so much fun. So I, I can't wait for the dialogue uh, with Linda McHugh to begin. So welcome, Linda. Welcome to Digital Voices. Well, thanks. Thanks for the invite. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is going to be so fun. So before we get started, Megan, you know, part of the topic we're going to talk about is leadership in general, but also sort of people and culture and people experience. What, what's been your thoughts around what makes the best sort of people and culture type professionals? I feel like anybody that leads with empathy and trust um, and support, um, really you know, generating that culture of teamwork um, with positive attitudes and treating other people with respect, all of those, I feel like kind of fall under that bucket. Yeah, I think that's that's right on. We'll see what uh, how that corresponds with some of the comments that Linda might make. So Linda is Executive Vice President, Chief Experience and People Officer at Hackensack Meridian Health. And I always describe her as fun, people person, but also technical. And I want to talk about that a little bit. And so Linda, I always start off talking about how we first met. So I think it was like 2017, 2018. And you were sort of, I was being recruited to Cleveland Clinic and and you were my first real person uh, that I spoke with. And I remember I was <laughs> I was still in, and I didn't know, right? You hear all these things about the clinic and as I didn't know what to expect. And, and honestly, I expected something kind of cold. And, and we had this conversation. I was, remember I was in New York city and you were like the warmest, coolest person. I was like, oh my gosh, I had the wrong, you know, image of, uh, of the clinic. And this is a really cool place to be able to serve. And, and I was like, so impressed. And I remember telling my wife, wow, I met this the HR person. She's like, unlike any HR person I ever met. And she's like, fabulous and awesome. So, that was the first time. And then I was so lucky that when I started serving at the Cleveland Clinic that my office was next to yours. So yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if you guys did that purpose, like, oh my gosh, this guy's gonna need so much help when he gets <laughs> here. We're gonna put the HR person right next door. But you were you were amazing. I, I remember going to your office a few times, right? Because I'm a new person and you're trying to understand the culture and trying to make sure that you're you're uh, serving well. And so I'd go into your office and you'd always had this open door and, and you weren't like this fearful person. You didn't have to fear talking to you like some HR people s- sometimes, but like you were very helpful and kind. And so thank you for being that way. So Linda, of course, what everyone wants to know about you is what's on your playlist. So when you're like just chilling and stuff, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Oh, I, I'm a, I'm a classic rock girl, so for sure it's Bruce Springsteen, Carol King, Rolling Stones, um, any of any of the above. The Beatles, I love the Beatles. I, I could I could listen to. I have a four kind of four. I'll, I'll date myself. Four CDs that I've loaded onto my playlist that can play continuously just all Beatles. So oh, very cool. 60s and, and 70s music for sure. And I know, especially now that you're living, um, you know, around the city, New York city is you love Broadway. What, what's like your favorite Broadway show you've seen lately? Oh, you know, I, I saw Tina last summer 
it was fabulous. And I just saw um, right before Christmas six, yeah. which is the musical of, of Henry the Eighth, Six Wives. It was it was um, engaging, funny, and energizing all at the same time. All right, I'm gonna. I, I know it's coming. Uh, it's coming to Dallas or or Fort Worth. We belong to both little, you know, th- sort of th- local theater things like Playhouse Square in uh, Cleveland. And uh, yeah. I think that's on the docket. So I'll get to see six. I'll need to look up Tina next time I go to the city. So, yeah, that's good. And what about uh, yeah, I life? It, I think it's done. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bummer. Maybe it'll come or maybe it'll go on the road, though. Sometimes they even after they shut down on Broadway, they come around. Um, what what sort of life message or mantra or are there words or quote that you sort of live by that's really been important to you? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's really important um, to, to take each day as it comes and be present and be grateful for being and having another day because tomorrow, as we both know, is not promised. Yeah. And um, I like what Sophia Loren always said, eat the pasta and drink the wine. And I would add, uh, <laughs> buy the shoes. So it, it's, it really is, you know, don't put things off. Yeah. And, um, don't worry yeah. about if you're a size zero or if you have enough money, do what you want to do and enjoy your life. I love that. That's really important. Yeah. Like you said, we both, we both know about that. So tell us a little bit. So you have a fat, just from a career point of view, and I'm not going to steal your thunder here, very fascinating uh, career journey, but tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share, personal, professional, and leading up to where you are today. Yeah, I mean, so personally, um, love my family. Been married thirty eight years. This going on thirty nine. I always have to calculate <laughs> because it seems like once you pass a certain number, they blend together. Um, I tell my husband they've been perfect years for him, but I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, I have two grown children, a grandson, and a second grandson on the way in March. And uh, very proud of the the women that I uh, they have become as they've grown, and um, living in Jersey right now for the majority of my time, I love it. Uh, unexpected, um, hidden gems to explore in the state from gardens and mountains to the down the shore to great music to a lot of culture, surprisingly. Um, but that's my personal story. Um, professionally, you know, I worked at the Cleveland Clinic for 35 years uh, and had probably seven or eight different roles, many of them very different. And I think having an operational background before I went into the position of human resource, the leader of human resources there, gave me the perspective from the side of the manager and the, the caregiver or the team member of what the gaps were and how human resources was perceived. And it allowed me to gain instant credibility and be able to really create craft the policies that were necessary to take care of our team members at the time and set me up really for my current role, um, which is both team member experience, patient experience, and the human resource side of um, the business here. 
Uh, but before I, I did that, you know, before I came into the human resource role, the operations role, working with the CEO at the Cleveland Clinic for close to 20 years, both in cardiac surgery and when he was a CEO, I think really helped, my, helped me grow because it was a constant everyday learning environment and yeah. an opportunity yeah. to continually push myself and him to give me those opportunities to push myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that helped me grow as both a person and a leader. And the passion and commitment to taking care of patients um, central to the mission and that people live that every day was what kept me there and what was really important to me. And when, when I looked at the position here at HMH, you know, their commitment and philosophy around taking care of patients and taking care of their team members and their values were very aligned. And that, that was really important to me. Yeah, that might kind of bleed a little bit into my first question around, you know, you were at Cleveland Clinic for 35 years. And, and yeah, Toby was great uh, uh, to, for everyone, I think, a uh, great mentor and ability to push push you to new things. Um, and now you're at another very, you know, large health system. How was that uh, t- transition? How did that go? Yeah, it, you know, it was really, I think, an easy transition. It, when you leave one place and go to another, it's important to come in with a growth mindset of what what can I learn new? You all, there's always something new to learn. I would never approach a new role with thinking I knew everything there was to know. And so I spent the first couple months just learning from the, the team members here, the culture that as it existed and the culture they wanted to grow. And um, I think that it, that made it even clearer to me that I made the right choice after yeah. spending time yeah. here with the team and hearing their vision. And um, one of the things that we kicked off was a leader as a coach model. And to me, tied right into servant leadership. But I think when you when you do a transition um, from one very different system, organiz- or how the system is organized led by physicians, um, very structured to something that's a little different and a newly formed system that is on a journey to be something similar. Um, You can take some of the things that you learned and apply them in a way that um, helps the, the current system grow, which is also fun to say, I didn't realize how much I knew until I got put into a different situation and was able to apply that knowledge and help this current system move forward. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And as I mentioned at the top, you know, you've always sort of had this technical bent. So when I served with you, you know, you knew all about, uh, you know, definitely workday, you know, right. Cause that's what was the HR system, but you just, you, you had a really strong understanding of technology and where did that come from? Was that did you pick that up sort of along the way in your career, or or were you just uh, uh, faking me out there with with uh, all the things that you would say? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think in every job that I had, I felt like it was important for me to know 
if I was leading a team, what systems they were interacting with and how they worked so that I could help troubleshoot when there were issues. And I, I like learning. So it was always something when we introduced Epic at the clinic, I was one of the first people to become a super user, to know how to do scheduling, to know how to do registration, because the team I was managing had to do it. And I wanted to be able, I didn't want to be a manager that sat in their office, but I wanted to be someone that they knew, I knew what they were going through and it required me to learn the systems. So plus it it was fascinating and interesting to me the evolution of technology to support patient care um, from the 80s to now has been stunning. So, and we know I started in the lab and the lab was one of the first adopters of technology. We always had some type of system where we were tracking whether it was specimens or results. Um, They may have gone to a paper chart in the beginning, but we had a system that we could look things up. So the transition along the way to an electronic medical record and then a human capital management system was to me fascinating, but also imperative to provide an efficient um, environment for both the team members as well as taking care of our patients. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And you're right about the lab, right? The lab and radiology and pharmacy, they always were way ahead of IT in general and other tech in a hospital. So that's why they always came kicking and screaming whenever IT showed up. Hey, we got this new electronic health record. Always the last to go over because they're like, wait, we've been doing this for years. You know, so <laughs> that it really, you know, always have to understand that and, you know, their point of view and why they feel that way. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense in terms of of your specific journey. Now, I love the fact that your title includes experience. So can you share more about that? Yeah. Um, the idea that team member experience is tied to patient experience is something that we've known for a long time. So that was one of the things that was really attractive to me in this role. And that was a passion um, when, when I worked at the clinic around putting patients first and really improving the patient experience and making every person who works um, for our system here at HMH know that they have a role in, t- in um, patient experience and taking care of the patient. Some way they're contributing to that overall care. And I think it's, it's both inspiring for the, the team members, but also it, it has a huge trickle-down effect for the patients and their families. And um, particularly here in New Jersey, where it's we're spread across geographically across the state, and different areas of the state have very different cultures. Understanding culturally what's important at each of the sites and to those team members and patients is really, I think, the bedrock of being able to have improved engagement for our team members and experience for our patients. You know, yeah, I think that's brilliant. There's definitely that connection. And I don't know why historically we had it divided. Uh, So it makes sense now, you know, there's some progressive organizations like yours uh, that have brought that together. So that's why I wanted to ask a question. Now, you're just a great leader in general. Uh, you, you could tell from your background things that you talked about already uh, before you got into human resources and what you're doing today. 
And you already mentioned a few things that I would say are your secret sauce, but I want to ask you, you know, what else? Because uh, others who are listening can learn. But you already talked about servant leadership. You already talked about uh, leading by example. Uh, and then, you know, clearly there's this empathy part of you. So I hope I didn't take all of your all of your uh, initial answers. So what, how would you answer if someone said, Linda, yeah. what's your secret? Uh, there's no secret. I mean, it really is just realizing everyone is human and there's always multiple sides to every situation. But I think leading is about coaching. It is about understanding people's strengths and leveraging their strengths versus focusing on their weaknesses or their opportunities. And I think that, you know, you have to be credible. You have to do what you say you're going to do. Um, you have to be honest and open and transparent. And I, I always, always tell, tell it like I, I think it is. You have to have courage of your conviction. If you don't, um, you're not going to be considered trustworthy. And so I think you also have to be authentic and vulnerable. And that comes with empathy. No one is perfect. And when you make a mistake, admit if you, you made a mistake and learn from it and move on. Or if you didn't listen to both, listen deeply enough to what was truly going on and made the wrong decision, it's a, it's a lesson learned to, to listen, listen deeper sometimes because there's always underlying reasons to people's behaviors. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Is there a specific advice that anyone gave you, maybe with Toby or someone else, but that, that helped you in terms of leadership? Yeah. You know, um, one of my first physician leaders, when I left the lab and went over to the operations side in physicians, um, was a, no a notoriously difficult to get along with surgeon. And um, one of the things he, and you know, I finally kind of won him over and gained his confidence. And um, we used to chat at, at night when he was done at the operating room. And one of the things he would say is, you know, you, you just did have to perform the heck out of your current job. That wasn't the word he used <laughs> and, and not continue worrying about what the next job is. And he said, I see that in you. You're a hard worker. You, you want to make sure what you're every day you're doing the most you can to make the operation of our clinic as, as efficient as possible. And you care about people and you care about the patients, but his was work as hard as you can at the current job you're in and make it the best it can be. And don't always have your eye looking up like what's next. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I, those things will follow if you do what he, he was suggesting. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I want to I want to talk about leadership now, but from a different point of view, like you giving advice. So, uh, the majority of our audience, although it's vastly expanding to the entire C-suite, is uh, chief digital officers, people that report to them, and CIOs. You know, sort of the more technical digital side. You know, as a longtime HR professional, do you, do you have any words of wisdom or advice for a CDO, a CIO who's working in a big sense? Maybe they're new to their role and they're coming in. Uh, any sort of words of advice that you might give, like maybe something you may have told me? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I think two things that, that I see um, sometimes the most 
I don't want to say lacking, but that don't come to mind, um, top of mind. One is what I will call human-centered design. So how are actual humans going to interact with the solutions you're putting together? Yes. <laughs> and yeah. Like, are they going to have to do three sign-ons? Is it, are, are, is it going to be frustrating for them? So I think getting that human piece into the design. And the other part would be collaborating with the subject matter experts. So if you're creating something aimed at team members, make sure that you're getting input from frontline team members, people that interact or, or the service center that gets the questions from team members. Because if we're f trying to find a technology solution, it should be solving a problem, right? Yeah. And the problems oftentimes may be found by what people are calling and complaining about or where things are falling through the cracks. So we get continual calls about PTO. Can we make an app that gives them that information at their fingertips so they don't have to log in to a system, log, you know, have a laptop, have something. They can do it on an app on their personal phone. That's what we're working towards and trying to solve those problems versus the big problems. Yeah, that, that that's good that's good advice. What about someone who's early in their career and it doesn't have to be a tech person but you know, however you want to answer, but what sort of advice other than the great one you already gave that the surgeon taught you about you know, focusing on the here and now and do a really good job and you know, the rest will come later. Uh, any other advice for someone sort of early in their career? Again, it doesn't have to be tech, but it can be uh, so that they're and they want to become, you know, a chief human resource experience, capital management person or maybe a, a CDO. Yeah. CEO. I, I think two things. I think finding someone that you admire and asking them to be your mentor. And um, it doesn't ha it could be a peer. A peer mentorship is as powerful as mentorship from someone above. And I also think it's important to have a sponsor. So someone that is going to bring your name up in a room full of opportunities or when an opportunity comes about that, you know, that person will act as a sponsor for you. And I think of a mentor and a sponsor as two different things. Now they could be the same person, but it, it also could be two different um, people. In addition, I think it's really important to understand and think about where, what, what's your passion? Where, where do you want to go? Where do you want to focus your time? And if you're not getting that, you want people to love their job. You want them yeah. to love what they do. And so if you if you're spending most of your day doing things you don't love, but you find something that you do do during the day that you love, how do you amplify that and maybe look for your next role that has more of that in it? And that and what do you, what can you do to get there? Do you volunteer for projects? Do you get you know, how, how can you how can you create those opportunities for yourself within your current organization or outside your organization, whether it's volunteering, that can be added to a resume as well. Life experience is just as important yeah. as work experience. Yeah, those are 
all really, really good. You know, a uh, question though on the sponsor. So in, in consulting organizations, you know, like a big four consulting firm, uh, they, they sort of have that model. Uh, I haven't seen it too much in healthcare. So if you have a mentor, but you're looking for a sponsor, do you just ask someone like, Hey, I, you know, like you would a mentor, Hey, would you, would you be my advocate, my sponsor? Yes. And I think that also needs to be built in. We've started here a, a, a detailed succession planning process and then a high potential in leadership development opportunities. And we're identifying those people and encouraging them to reach out to people that they admire or that they believe could act as their sponsor and give them tools to have those conversations as well. Yeah, I, I like that. I've, I've not ever thought about that. And, you know, perhaps it's new for many of our audience as well, but that whole concept of a sponsorship. Um, so it'd be really interesting to hear from you, Linda. You know, we talk about experience and, you know, human resources, how important it is to to rest and not get burned out. What, what do you do to sort of recharge your batteries and, and avoid, you know, any sort of burnout? Yeah, well, you, well, you mentioned um, the Broadway. I love going into the city. I mean, I'm, I love getting on the train. I don't like to drive there. I love to get on the train and go into New York City, and I'm happy walking for blocks just with the energy. But yeah. I love to shop. Um, I like to go to good restaurants, trying new neighborhoods, boutiques, yeah. Um exploring. And like, like I said, we explored New Jersey. I love to go listen to live music. That's fun as well to me. And, um, time with my family. So, you know, there's always time you have to learn how to shut things off when you leave and figure out, okay, the next five hours I'm going to spend not looking at my phone, not worrying about work and enjoying what I'm doing whether it's going to brunch or going shopping or walking around Manhattan. Yeah, no, I love that. So to my audience, I mean, you're hearing that from Chief Human Resource Officer at Hackensack and then previous to that, Cleveland Clinic. So take the time for yourself and do the things that you like to do because work will always be there, but you know, your life life won't, as you know, it, it changes all the time. And you know, Linda, I'm gonna make a, a confession really quick. I took that train from New York City going the other way to go to Hackensack one time to to come visit you all. And I was not feeling particularly well that day to begin with, but uh, all of a sudden I ended up in Philadelphia. And I just missed completely um, the entire, uh, that entire train trip. So uh, next time I take that train, I'll have to pay more attention. So Linda, we talked about tons of stuff. We talked about, um, your progression in your career. We talked about uh, all sorts of angles on leadership, on experience from a human capital point of view. We talked about recharging batteries. We talked about all sorts of advice for people, both technical people and non-technical people. Is there something we missed or a topic we touched on, but you want to double down on? I give you the last word. Well, I I mean, I think from the healthcare perspective, and really, I, I think any place you work, I learned this from one of the leaders at KPMG. You have to be connected to a purpose somehow. Mm. And I think it's important for people to find joy at work. You spend the majority of your time at work. And if you're doing something that you you really do not like and you, you can't find any joy, it's time to look for something different. 
because, you know, life is short and the stress you put on yourself um, is not, it's not helpful. But um, I, I remember KPMG did a, a purpose, had everyone tie their work to purpose. And one of the women was an auditor for farms and her purpose was helping feed the world. Mm. So there's always a way to tie what you do to a higher purpose, no matter what business you're in. You just have to figure out what that is and, and make sure that that energizes you. Yeah, I love that. That's a great way to end. I think everyone in my audience understands now why I had uh, HR uh, professional, uh, chief human resource officer, experience officer, all those great things as a guest on Digital Voices because uh, it's so refreshing and to gain all these insights. So thank you so much, Linda, for being our guest. Yep. So yep. I can't great wait. Great seeing you. I know. I can't wait to connect and we'll we'll do uh, Broadway with our spouses and, and have all sorts of fun. So that concludes another edition of Digital Voices. It's Ed Marks saying thank you. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.